What's going on, New York Giant fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. If you guys haven't already, please hit that like button, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. More content throughout the week. Um, Tuesday this week is likely the Boys and Big Apple podcast. I know it's another shake-up, but I got a family member's birthday on Monday, and I'm not going to podcast on that day i think that'd be a little rude of myself but uh boys and big apple will be on tuesday plus we can go even later because i don't have school on wednesday so that'll be fun we could you know spend time as much time on topics we want to talk about as you know we want to so let's get right into it let's talk about this game opening thoughts before we go into the injury report which basically is Kind of dealing with how with uh, what I want to talk about, Daniel Jones, man, not good, not good, and I don't know. This is a constant thing, year after year, with him at quarterback. Whether he's a franchise guy, he's not the guy, whatever the situation may be. Every year he's getting injured, and the problem is is that he's not sliding or they're putting him in positions where it's, oh, this play is going to get you injured. And, you know, people are trying to say, well, you know, he should stop running the football. I'm going to say no to that. I'm going to say that's not really where the problem lies because – If that's a part of the way that the Giants can get going on offense, let it be. I don't think that those read options are the problem. What I think the problem is, is the running in between the tackles. That's been twice the injury now. That's been twice the injury now. You go back to 2019, which I believe that was a running between the tackles or was a QB sneak. It was when that... Y came off of the helmet, so it looked like the Newark Giants instead of the New York Giants. I really don't want to be rooting for the Newark Giants, but God knows what will happen. I don't know. I'm making up things as we go. 2020, he ran in between the tackles. That's where he got the hamstring injury. And then 2021, that was not a run in between the tackles, but he just didn't know how to slide. He slid like this, and that's where the next string came in. But I'll give Daniel this, and a lot of people aren't going to give him credit. And I'm not a Daniel fanboy. I've adapted to the situation. I know he's not the franchise quarterback. I've known that for a little bit now. But you have to admire that in 2019 and in 2021, he's come back from those injuries in games, and I'm not saying he exited all, but he's stayed the course in games, but then again, only to find out after the game, well, he's injured. That happened in 2019. He stayed in the whole game against Green Bay. In 2021, he stayed the whole game last week against the Eagles. Obviously, he didn't stay the full game against the Cowboys because that was actually a concussion. Surprisingly, he played the uh, played the next week, but we all know how that went. So I'll give him that. But 
He's just got to slide. He's got to slide better. And they can't be putting him in these positions, running in between the tackles, because that's likely where it's the most dangerous. You know, read option, you have some room on the outside. You could slide. You could go out of bounds. In between the tackles, you can slide, and that's about it. But then again, he's very bad at sliding. And the Giants have a lot of other injuries, too. Let's talk about that in the injury report. Trent Harris, Dory Jackson, Caden Smith, and Daniel Jones are out. Trent Harris yesterday, along with Caden Smith, were put on IR, so they'll be out the next three weeks. Actually, let me rephrase that. I think they're out for the season or the next six weeks because I think it was after week six or week seven, something like that, that if you get put on IR, you're out for the next six, which doesn't make sense, but... If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll do the research, but I'm pretty sure they're close to being out for the season, which freaking sucks because I like Trent Harris just as a rotational pass rusher, and I also like Caden Smith because I feel like the Giants have not gotten him involved in the offense the last two years, and the one game that Kitchens was play calling, which was last week, well, Caden Smith was out, so we'll probably have Kyle Rudolph back this week, but Sterling Shepard and Kadarius Tony are doubtful. I mean, this is just getting ridiculous now. And it's the same old song with Sterling Shepard. And I don't know how you can keep him on the roster next year. He was supposed to be cut next year, but I think they restructured his contract, which was probably the worst thing that they did because you could have cut him next year and saved a lot of money in the cap. But they have to either trade him, release him, need the cap or something like that because you cannot be relying on Sterling Shepard year after year after year to play the full 16, now the full 17, and then he doesn't stay on the field. It sucks. It really does. So that's probably going to, I would say, make the Giants draft the receiver in like the fifth round again. Because Darius Slayton, you know, he's Darius Slayton. I don't know how this coaching staff thinks of him. Galladay, you're obviously keeping another year. You can re-sign John Ross. Kadarius Tony will be here another year. But... You're going to be weary probably going into next year. Is Kadarius Tony going to be able to survive with all these injuries? Because he's been out a few games this year, which sucks. And he would be a major game changer in this game. This upcoming game against Miami, he would be a game changer. So questionable, Colin Gillespie, I mean, he's the fullback. He's a special teams guy, so I'm not too worried about that, but I do hope he gets healthy because he is a New York Giant. John Ross, Kyle Ruoff, and Nate Solder with an elbow injury. I think Ross will play. I think Gillespie will play. I think Rudolph will play. Nate Solder is a little weird because a lot of people in the beat said that, well, we didn't see Nate Solder at practice during the media access period. And they said he has an elbow injury. He's questionable. So... I would think it's a minor elbow injury because he is questionable unless something happens or whatever. They didn't declare him out or doubtful, so I think he is going to play. And once again, I'm not going to beat the drum on this paired argument. Rob Sale came out this week and said, well, Soldier's a better player. That's something I very much so disagree on. And you guys know me. I really don't try to second-guess coaches, but I don't know how you see... 
that one is better than the other when one is just constantly getting beat. But I'm not going to beat that drum any longer. So for the Miami Dolphins, Philip Lindsay is doubtful. Adam Shaheen is doubtful. Quarterback Trill Williams, the fifth-round pick, sixth-round pick out of Syracuse, is doubtful. Brandon Jones and Jalen Phillips are questionable. They were both limited throughout the week. I think both of them will play. Now let's get into the practice squad protections. Giants have protected Farrell Cooper, defensive lineman David Moa, defensive back Stephen Parker, and defensive back Jaron Williams. So Stephen Parker actually made one good play last week. He was covering Dallas Goddard on one play, which seemed a little weird. But with the Dory Jackson out, with Darnay Holmes out, you have to get as many DBs in there as possible. And Stephen Parker, yes, was covering Dallas Goddard for one play, and he actually made a nice play, almost intercepted if, I think it was Tay Crowder or somebody else was in bounds. It was the guy in front of him. But Stephen Parker made a nice play last week. And I kept asking myself, who the hell is number 38? And then he made the nice play. And then after the game, I'm like, who's number 38? So I did a little research on the bus, and I said, wow, Stephen Parker. But they'll probably upload Jaron Williams this week. They'll probably elevate Stephen Parker With the two open roster spots, plus the two you get on game day, which is the practice squad protections, you're probably looking at Farrell. You you may actually be looking at all these guys to possibly be on the roster on game day because Caden Smith, Trent Harris, injured reserve, plus the two you get. So you might be looking at all these guys. For the Miami Dolphins, another team that uses their practice squad protections, Seventh-round pick Jared Oaks was protected this week, along with Andrew Billings, Javaris Davis, and quarterback Jake Kaluton, formerly of the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, so let's take a look at positional matchups. Quarterback. This one is a tough one because I think Tua and Daniel Jones almost have the same amount of touchdowns and interceptions. With that being said... Tua has missed, I think, two, three games this season. So you can't really say, oh, well, this one's better than this one on a level playing field. New York Giants, obviously, coming into the year, Daniel Jones was better than Tua. And Tua was kind of mistreated last year because his O-line, I don't think it was as bad as this year's O-line for the Miami Dolphins, plus the fact they pulled him for Fitzpatrick so many times. But I'll take Tua slightly over Daniel Jones. I need to see more production out of Daniel Jones. Plus, he's not playing in this game, which is not going to help the evaluation process. Take a look at the running back room. Miami has been trying to get the running game going the last three weeks, and that's been against really crappy teams. The Panthers are one of them, the Jets are one of them, and the Texans are one of them. So you can't really say, oh, it's been against good teams. It's really not been against good teams, to put it to you that way. But I'll take the Giants slightly. Saquon Barkley and Devontae Booker slightly over Salvin Ahmed, Miles Gaskin, and all those other guys. And I don't think they're even a factor in the receiving game because their top six receiving leaders are not even running backs. So I don't think that there's going to be a lot of checkdowns. I mean, Jalen Waddles would be a part of it and all these other things. Wide receiver. New York Giants obviously coming into the year. Miami, I'll take them. Jalen Waddle has been excellent for them. He's on my fantasy team, by the way. See if I'll uh, start. Uh, I'm mumbling here. See if I'll start him this week because uh, 
I don't want to be rooting against my team while rooting for my team. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But Devontae Parker has also been good. I'll take slightly the Giants. Uh, excuse me, not the Giants. Miami receiving core. Just because of production. I mean, Kadarius Tony and Kenny Galladay have yet to get a touchdown. Tight ends. New York Giants obviously coming into the year. Miami on the field because of Mike Isicki. He's been their second leading receiver. Plus, Durham Smythe has been a nice compliment to him. And then Adam Shaheen has been decent, who is doubtful. Probably not going to play on Sunday. O-line. This one's tough. This one is absolutely tough. The Giants coming into the year probably had more talent. Then again, you could say, well, the Miami Dolphins invested some high picks on the left side of the line. Liam Eikenberg has not been good this year. Austin Jackson hasn't been good this year. Austin Ryder has not been good this year. Who a lot of people were clamoring for week three, week four. Well, we need to sign Austin Ryder because Nick Gates is out. They were even saying that before Nick Gates was out. Just to get a backup center in the room. But he hasn't been good. Robert Hunt, he's been decent for them, and then Jesse Davis has been awful. So I'm going to take the Giants O-line, only because of Andrew Thomas. Being okay isn't necessarily the greatest in the NFL. You can't be okay to go to a Pro Bowl. You can't be okay. And, you know, I'm not trying to criticize Robert Hunt. He actually was coached by Rob Sale. But what I'm trying to say here is that Andrew Thomas stands out. And I'm not saying he's an all-pro tackle of this anything, but he's been playing consistent over the last few games that he actually has played. Robert Hunt, I can't say the same for. And I feel bad for Robert Hunt because he's a second-year guy, and he's playing with a bunch of terrible colleagues on the O-line. So that's something the Giants definitely need to do this game, is attack that O-line. Defensively, in terms of the running game and the passing game, blitz, you can somewhat take chances in one-on-ones. Jalen Waddle, you have to press him at the line, but we'll talk about that a little later on. Defensive line, I'll take New York Giants on both. Leonard Williams, five and a half sacks so far. I think it's five and a half, six and a half. Austin Johnson, has also been good. I think he got a sack last game. So him, Dexter Lawrence, has had some games where he's disappeared. But I think that's a better D-line than the Miami Dolphins. But their defense has gotten better the last couple of weeks. So that's something to take with a grain of salt. In terms of linebackers, I'll take the Miami Dolphins. New York Giants coming in the year obviously was better. But I'll take the Miami Dolphins. Jalen Phillips, Emmanuel Ogba. I don't know if he's a defensive end. Or he's an outside linebacker. But Agba has surprised me. Because I looked at his stats last year. I think he had nine sacks last year. He has six, six and a half this year. And I'm thinking to myself, wait, this guy was a bust with the Browns. The Dolphins have made him look like something fresh and new. But he might be a problem for Nate Solder on the right side of the O-line. And then, again, who isn't a problem for Nate Solder on the right side of the O-line? But I'm going to shut up now. Cornerbacks, I'll take the New York Giants slightly, even though Dory Jackson's not playing this game. Maybe you could say, oh, biased or not biased. I think Nick Needham has been playing decently for them. I always like Nick Needham. Xavier Howard, he's obviously one of the better corners. 
And then Byron Jones has been a disappointment in the last two years for the Miami Dolphins. Passer rating over 100. Completion rating not really great in terms of allowed in coverage. He just hasn't been great for them. So that's probably an area I would attack if I was the New York Giants. However, you can't attack it with Mike Lennon at a quarterback. I don't think it's going to be too different because he has more arm strength than Colt McCoy last year. So... That being said, the safeties, this one's tough because New York Giants obviously coming into the year, they were supposed to have a good safety core. This one's tough because Javon Holland has really surprised me this year. I think he's a third, fourth. He's a mid-round pick out of Oregon, and he's been a blitzing safety, and he's gotten the job done for them. Meanwhile, Xavier McKinney is a pro bowler. So... This one's tough. This one is probably the toughest I've had to debate on all season. I'm going to take the Giants slightly. They get Logan Ryan back this week, and he has the most tackles, or had the most tackles before he went out with the COVID thing. He had the most tackles in the secondary among all NFL defensive backs. So you know what? I'll take the Giants slightly there, and I'll take the Giants on special teams as well. Graham Gano, I think, has missed three kicks this season, but... Jason Sanders has had his fair share as well. He actually missed a kick at the game I was at. That kick being something like 30 yards less than before halftime, misses it right off the upright. So let's go into the offensive and defensive rankings. New York Giants on offense are 24th in total yards per game. They're 18th in passing offense, 26th in rushing offense, 26th in points per game. Look at the defensive side of the ball. Now obviously take this with grain of salt because other than the Tampa Bay game, they've been pretty solid on defense since the Carolina game. 27th total yards per game, 17th in passing defense, 26th in rushing defense. That's where I'll agree on because the Giants really haven't been great defending the run. And then 16th in points per game. You look at Miami Dolphins on offense. They're 25th in total yards per game, 17th in passing offense, 31st in rushing offense, and 24th in points per game. Look at the defensive side of the ball. They're 24th in total yards per game, 28th in passing defense, 10th in rushing defense, and they are 19th in points per game. Now, three stats to highlight, three analytics to highlight. They're 6th in pass rate, but 24th in the last three weeks. So they've been trying to run the ball a little bit more than they have been the first how many weeks of the season. Second in pass rate on first down. And then 12th in the last three weeks. So, once again, they've been trying to factor that running game in the last few weeks. They are second to last in the NFL in yards per carry. So, with that being said, in terms of the running game, they have to try to stop it. And they're not a very good running football team. But also take a look at this stat. 27th in run rate, but 9th in the last three weeks. So, that's a key. If they have a lead or if they try to run the ball whenever, you have to stop it. This is not a good offensive line. The Eagles, you could somewhat argue, ah, Jalen Hurts is elusive. Ah, they got Miles Sanders. They got this guy. They got good offensive linemen. You, excuse me, really can't argue for that for the Miami Dolphins. Sure, Miles Gaskin and Salvin Ahmed are okay, but their offensive line is a train wreck. Sorry, not sorry. Our offensive line is almost the same way. Anyway... Let's go to things to look for and players to watch. Tua Tagovailoa, he's completed over 80% of his passes the last two games. So, 
I would like the Giants to diminish that streak of 80% or more over the last two. But two has been okay this year. Nothing special to talk about. He's been 3-4 and four in terms of record as a quarterback, even though that's really something to take with a grain of salt because Mitchell Trubisky had a 500 or more record as the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. But let's get back to the stats. He's completing 70.5% of his passes, which is good. 1,701 yards, 10 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, about 212, uh, 212.6 yards per game. That's not really that good. 94.7 passer rating, and he's been sacked 10 times in a total of 8 games. So that's not bad. 10 over 8 games, that's like 1.1 per game. So I guess it's times where Jacoby Brissett was quarterback, and he's not mobile like Tua is, so I guess you have to take that into factor, but I think this defense can definitely get to Tua. Take a look at the receiving leaders. Three that I pick out of the basket right there, and I was wrong before when I said, well, none of the top six receiving leaders are running backs. Miles Gaskin is in there, and he actually has four touchdowns on the season, so... Um, maybe that's something to think about. Going back to the comparison, I think I'll st- still take the New York Giants for time's sake and for time being. Jalen Waddell, 77 receptions, 759 yards. I think he's going to have an 1,000-yard season. Four touchdowns, about 63.3 yards per game. Mike Gesicki, 52 receptions, 596 yards, two touchdowns, 49.7 yards per game. Devontae Parker, 25 receptions, 327 yards, and then one touchdown, 65.4 yards per game. So he has higher yards per game. Mike Gesicki has more receptions, so I'm going to guess that Gesicki has had more receptions, but it's been not big plays like Devontae Parker and Jalen Waddell. And also add to the fact that Tua Tagovailoa and Jalen Waddell were teammates at Alabama. Now let's take a look at the defensive side of the ball. I'm really not going to remark among the offensive line, but they're bad. They're bad. And this is not trying to be a casual or anything like that, but they're not a good offensive line. I think Dolphin fans know that. Jalen Phillips. Uh, let me see if I actually got... Okay, never mind. Jalen Phillips. Now he's had a good past couple of games, more than the start of the season. I think he was just trying to get going. He's gotten going in the last couple of games, but total stats on the season, 33 tackles, 6.5 sacks, 5 tackles for a loss, 21 pressures, and 14 quarterback hits. That's pretty impressive for a rookie, and he was, I believe, the 17th or 19th overall pick. There was a lot of injury concerns with him at Miami and before at UCLA, and that was a risky pick, but that's one of their picks, I would say, in the last few years that has worked out in the first round because last year... When they took Austin Jackson in the first round, a lot of Dolphin fans and a lot of other fans that know the draft, including myself, were like, this is the guy that you picked in the first round? And I still don't understand it to this day, but you know, we'll see what happens, right? So next guy is Emmanuel Agba. On the season, 30 pressures. So let me go back to tackles. So I want to go out of order. But 28 tackles, uh, six, and a half, six sacks. 30 pressures, 19 quarterback hits, 7 tackles for a loss. Pretty impressive for him. Now let's take a look at the cornerback room. 
I'll mention Justin Coleman just in case, but his snaps have been decreasing a little bit. I don't think he's been that good over the last few years. I remember he was a hot topic free agent a few years ago, but he's just been regressing in terms of play. But with that being said, let's go to Xavier Howard, who surprisingly has allowed six touchdowns this season, but his other stats aren't really that bad. He's allowed about a total of 42 completions on 77 targets. Three interceptions, 511 yards allowed, six touchdowns, 12.2 yards allowed per completion, 0.6 per target, 84.9 passer rating. You take a look at Byron Jones, who really hasn't shared the same production. Yes, he's given up less touchdowns, but his stats are just a little worse. He's given up 45 completions on 73 targets, no interceptions, 610 yards, 13.6 yards allowed. Per completion, 8.4 allowed per target, 4 touchdowns, 106.5 passer rating. Look at Nick Needham, who once again I have said I've liked ever since he was coming out of the draft. I wanted the Giants to pick him. I think that was 2019. He actually got an interception off Eli, so uh, creds to him. But he's on 35 completions on 53 targets, 1 interception on the season, 397 yards. 11.3 yards allowed per completion, 7.5 per target, 80.5 passer rating. So that's not really all bad, and no touchdowns as well. Justin Coleman has started only 3 out of the 12 games he's played in this season, so that kind of has to tell you something. Then again, Nick Needham has started 4 out of the 12 games, but Nick Needham has seen more playing time. With that being said, though, he's allowed 30, uh, excuse me, he's allowed 20, Completions on 31 targets. He's had two interceptions this season. 64.5 completion percentage allowed, 237 yards. No touchdowns, 60.8. Passer rating, 11.9 yards per completion allowed. And then 7.6 yards allowed per target. So now that I look at it into a further standpoint, his stats aren't all that bad. But I guess they're... Not great enough, plus the play on the field, which makes his snaps go down. Maybe they use a lot of defensive backs like Patrick Graham does. I don't know. We'll be able to see it on Sunday, though. Javon Holland. This is a guy that the Giants definitely have to watch out for, especially on third down. And Miami, they're the second highest blitzing team in the NFL. So expect Javon Holland to be in there, Emmanuel Ogba, Jalen Phillips. Some of their safeties, their linebackers. That's something the Giants have to defeat this week. We'll talk about it in offense and keys to win in terms of questions to answer as well. But in coverage, has not been too bad, too great, however you want to describe it. He's allowed 15 completions on 24 targets, 2 interceptions, 62.5 completion percentage allowed. 262 yards, 17.5 yards allowed per completion. 10.9 yards allowed per target on average. Three touchdowns and 104.5 passer rating. Now, that's really not the stat you want to look at. He has two sacks, total of two tackles for loss, five quarterback hits, and six pressures, 46 tackles in total. But he's also been sent on 43 blitzes. So, he's been really good this year in terms of that area. Now, let's take a look at questions to answer. Offense. Well, the Giants over line. And the quarterback, I put Glennon or Jones down, but it's obviously going to be Glennon, be affected by the Blitz. They have to defeat the Blitz. 
You're going to get a lot of one-on-one coverage and get that ball to Kenny Galladay. Get that ball to Darius Slayton. Get it out to John Ross on a crosser. Same thing with Slayton. Those guys can be utilized that way. Just move the sticks. We saw it last week against the Eagles. Some crossing patterns. Yards after catch. That is key for this Giants offense. And you could say, well, Miami's been improving in terms of the defensive side of the last few weeks, and I'm not going to disagree with you. But what I will say is they've allowed the second most yards in the NFL. So take that as you will. And this one, I'm going to say it anyway, but both are probably not going to play. Will Sterling Shepard and Canary's Tony be, be factors in the quick game? Crossing routes, slant routes, stuff like that. Yards after the catch plays. Obviously not this week because they're injured. Maybe next week against the Chargers they will. But with that being said, John Ross is probably going to be factored in there because he's a quick, speedy guy. Darius Slayton possibly as well. I think they got to stop, me personally, and I know they've been limited on weapons, but I think they got to stop putting Kenny Galladay on slants. This isn't a bad thing on Kenny Galladay, but he's not a speed guy. He's a guy who gets the ball in 50-50 balls when the ball is placed properly. But this one also will be taken out, but I'm going to replace it with another question. Number three, does Daniel Jones have a multi-touchdown game? going to be replaced with, does Mike Lennon have a multi-touchdown game? I'm going to say no. Because I think the Giants will get into the red zone twice. Actually, more times than that, they'll probably blow it a couple of times. But I think for touchdowns, they'll get it in twice and kick two field goals. But one of those touchdowns will be a rushing touchdown. Because that's generally how the Giants do it in terms of old school. But my opinion can change and things can change in the game. Number four, does Galladay or Tony, you can scratch Tony off the list now, does Galladay get his first touchdown as a Giant? I feel like it's coming this game. I know I've said that the last few times, and it hasn't happened, but I feel like for some odd reason, Glennon is going to throw the first touchdown to Kenny Galladay. And he'll be happy, as he should be, because he was underutilized the first 11 weeks of the season. With that being said... Number five, if Glennon plays screens, slants, simple stuff. Glennon has arm strength. I will expect them somewhat to open up with the screens and the slants because John Ross, Saquon Barkley want to get them involved early. But later in the game or how many plays into the game, I do expect them to go to Galladay a few times, maybe on the deep ball because Glennon has good arm strength. It's not like he has a noodle arm. But with that being said, sometimes you can overthrow or underthrow receivers. Like in the Cowboys game when he was throwing it up to C.J. Board and it was intercepted by Trayvon Diggs. So let's take a look at defense. How will Aaron Robinson handle the cornerback two job? I've seen some people that are a little down on him playing the cornerback two job. I think he'll play fine. I think Aaron Robinson, and call me crazy for this, should trail Jalen Waddell. Because James Bradbury really doesn't keep up with speed all too well. You've seen that with Odell Beckham in the past and a lot of other receivers. And I think Aaron Robinson can, at the line, press up against it. I'm not saying James Bradbury can't do that. He can do that. 
but they're not allowing him to do that, or he's not doing that at the line of scrimmage, where Aaron Robinson can jam receivers at the line, screw up the timing, and then maybe that route is open later on in the play, but the quarterback will have already moved on from it. And I think, personally, Aaron Robinson, yeah, he'll give up a few receptions to Waddle, but I think he will be good at cornerback too. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he has uh, a bad day like Janoris Jenkins did against the Bucks how many years ago? But with that being said, I think he'll be good at corner two. We'll see what happens, though. Can this defense allow Tua to complete less than 80% of his passes? I really want the Giants to break that. If they're a good defense, if they want to be known across the NFL of a team and a defense that gets better in the second half of the season, I want them to diminish that of you know Tua completing over 80% of his passes the last few games. Diminish that. Get into the 70s, the 60s, the 50s if you have to. Because the more passes he completes the better it is for him. And that also means he's not being rocked by blitzes. He's not being rocked at all. I think he was only sacked once or twice last week against Carolina. And guess what? Carolina is supposed to have a good pass rush. And this O-line is supposed to be bad. Well, guess what? Sacked once. Sacked once. And they have better rushers than we do. So hopefully the Giants can get to them. And Which is my next question. Can this pass rush get to do him more than once? I'm looking not once, but twice, three times, or four times. Because this is a really bad old line. Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, Austin Johnson, I'm looking for them to push inside. They really don't have good guards. As for the tackles, Liam Eikenberg, he's not been playing well. Same thing with Jesse Davis. I'm looking for Aziz Ojolari, Quincy Roche, those guys to beat those guys on the outside. But I'm honestly looking for a lot of pressure this game then again it could be mitigated to the to uh due to the fact that the giants don't really have a dory jackson um uh, you know if if he was playing i'm sorry for mumbling and rumbling if a dory jackson was playing i think they would have probably blitzed a lot more but that's my personal opinion as well also darnay holmes is out but aaron robinson allows for a lot more man coverage can this defense extend the turnover streak to 14 games? I think they can. Whether they're forcing a fumble in the running game, forcing a fumble in the passing game, or just having Tua confused, and then he throws an interception, I think, honestly, the Giants can deceive Tua. Give him a couple of different looks, confuse him, throws somewhere. Either it's tipped by uh, by somebody, and it gets in the hands of Julian Love, because that seems to be how he gets his interceptions and turnovers, or he just throws it somewhere where it's completely stupid or where nobody's there, and he gets intercepted. So I think they will extend that streak. If they don't, I'll be a little put down, but with that being said, it's been 14 games of one turnover or more. Number five, will the defense be able to stop Jalen Waddle? I think they'll be able to stop him, or at least neutralize him. They won't be able to stop every single reception. But with that being said, he'll get like seven receptions for 60 yards or something like that. Or seven receptions for 70 yards. He'll be their leading receiver. I don't have any doubts about that. But I don't think it's going to be 130 yards and six receptions. I don't think it's going to be that. Because I think Patrick Graham would personally flip out. Plus it's his revenge game. Bernardrick McKinney's revenge game. Chris Myrick's revenge game. Matt Skura's revenge game, a lot of former Dolphins on this New York Giants team. If I 
can think of anymore. I'll try to think of it. I don't think anymore. But also John Jenkins' revenge game. He is currently on the Miami Dolphins. He's one of their defensive linemen. So he's to win. Get the offense going. Defeat the blitz. With Daniel Jones out, you have to try to replicate the production and try to get something going. This team blitzes heavy. Crossing routes. Slants. Get the ball out quick. Use Kenny Galladay in the deep game. Have to do that. Or else you're not going to defeat this defense. Yes, they are 28th, 29th in passing defense. They've been better over the last couple of weeks. So that shows you that stats can be skewed. Just like the Giants. They've been better over the last couple of weeks in terms of passing defense. And they're only ranked, I believe, 17th or 20th. Something like that. You have to take that into factor. But you have to defeat the Blitz. You have to get the ball out. Glennon is not mobile. And you don't want him getting injured if he tries to make a play where it's, you know, he's running out of the pocket and tries to get a first down or something like that. Because God knows that a lot of people don't want Jake Fromm playing in this game. Number two, stop Jalen Waddle and confuse Tua. Neutralize Jalen Waddle better yet. Because you're not going to stop him completely. They did that with Devontae Smith last week. But that was because they ran the ball more than they passed the ball. And they did a lot of stupid decisions. But the Giants got out of there unscathed. Can't say that about Daniel Jones and Dory Jackson and Darnay Holmes, though. But with that being said, you have to confuse Tua. Throw multiple looks at him. As for Jalen Waddle, neutralize him. Press him at the line. Get him really irritated. And maybe he beats you later on in the route. But with that being said... The quarterback would probably have already moved on. And number three, keep the turnover streak going. I think that's going to be very important. Time of possession is always important, has been important, and this is going to be a battle of two really bad teams that are trying to make runs for it and trying to get better as the year goes on. Two really disappointing teams to start the season. Both were like 1-7 and seven at one point. But this is going to be a tight game, I feel. Whoever's a quarterback... With that being said, keep the turnover streak going. I think that's going to be a major factor in this game for either squad. Alright, so prediction time. I have the New York Giants winning. This is not, oh, well, the Miami Dolphins are super trash. No. Giants 20, Miami Dolphins 16. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Very defensive game between a second-year quarterback and a veteran quarterback. I don't think it's going to be super offensive. A lot of people think that Mike Lynn's going to score 30. I don't think he'll score 30. But just something to note as well, the Miami Dolphins have won five games or three games where they've allowed less than 17 points. So get over 17 points, which will contribute to your chance of winning. Can't have 13 like last week, and I know Daniel Jones is not in the game. A couple other guys that are not in the game, but you have to execute a lot of these times when it wasn't Jason Garrett's fault or wasn't play calling and it wasn't this or that the player execution has not been good try to get something going in the running game and if you can't do that get something going in the screen game because that's probably how they're going to warm up they're not going to say oh let's throw a deep ball first and then we'll go to the run that's not how it works and that's not how it should work but if you guys haven't already, like, comment, subscribe, turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or drops. If you're on Spotify, Podbean, please follow the podcast. More content coming out. 
Tuesday, Boys and Big Apple podcast will be discussing this game and a lot of other topics. The MLB lockout is here, so if anything changes with the MLB lockout, we'll discuss it on Tuesday. And that is it. Peace out, guys. See you later. Stay cool and go Giants.